My guest today on AW360 is Tracy Shirtcliffe, founder and CEO of The Virtue Group. The Virtue Group is a world-class software company specializing in the marketing sector. They're also creators of Scope, an online tool for collaborating, benchmarking, approving and analyzing scopes of work and managing budgets. Tell me a little bit about the Virtue Group. What do you guys do? We produce a piece of uh, SaaS software. Um, it's We call it a scoping or pricing tool, and it helps um, companies to uh, go from selling hours, time, and material to selling things. We work mostly with agencies and with brands, but we're also moving into kind of professional services businesses as well. And why is that a better way to do it in, in your in your experience? You know, why why replace time and materials? Well, the challenge is that um, time and materials kind of became into being um, many, many moons ago. Because it was done a long time ago, it doesn't mean that it was the right way to do it. So um, when you're um, building things around um, time or selling hours um, for the for the agency, the more hours that you um, sell, the more money you make. So as a flawed model, there's no kind of scales for efficiency. Um, there's no kind of working smarter. Um, and I think the other thing about it is that time and materials, they create um, those fee proposals from scratch every single time. Um, and what we're advocating is to is to kind of use, um, you know, clever tools within 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 your business to stop you from replicating those same tasks over and over again. So if you're if you're selling things, you can build in, you know, you can start to be a lot more flexible. Um, the process to, to price something is a lot is a lot quicker. It doesn't have to be done by just one person. It can be done by multiple uh, people. Um, and um, it really buying things rewards efficiency because you get paid paid the same for those things, um, and you're a lot more clear about what you're delivering. Whereas when you're when you're selling time, as I said, it's it's kind of a I believe it's a it rewards inefficiency because the only way you can make more money out of it is to sell more of it. And there's no, you know, win-win, which I think you get when you're talking about selling things or deliverables. Could be outputs, could be deliverables, could even be a mix of you know, output and value. So if if I were an agency or a brand and I was looking to change over to this approach, what what are, what are some advice you could give me? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it needs to start firstly, in our view, um, with a taxonomy. Um, and typically, that uh, is by you deciding what you do as a business. And a taxonomy will be, we break down taxonomy into several levels. So what are the, we call them um, disciplines. So what are the things that you, you do? So you could be, you know, it could be digital, it could be print, it could be TV, it could be out of home. So, and then you break those down into what we call deliverables or, or the outputs. Um, and that could be, you know, a, a content strategy and then a content strategy would then break down to the for the tasks that you would do so what also happens when you start to to work that way um, is that you just become clearer around what everybody's doing in the brief so you actually spend time um, putting together the what you're doing um, not just pricing for it and it's scalable as well but I would uh, the taxonomy is the place to start for sure what do I call things um, and how can I be consistent in that? And how do you think time-based 
pricing became so ingrained originally? Richard, it started um, many moons ago when, um, well, effectively, agencies were paid based on the, um, the media. So creative was never something that was really charged for. And then um, when the media agencies were kind of taken away from creative and they were independent, um, it kind of just came to being. And I think, sadly, it came about from, from being a little lazy, probably. A CEO probably came in and said, oh, goodness, we, um, we now need to charge for this creative thing. What are we going to do with that? It's like, okay, we're going to work out how long it takes of Richard and Tracy and and uh, and Jenny to produce these things, and we're going to add a you know a multiple on top of that, and then we're going to sell the time. So I just think it was a habit many many moons ago from a conversation, probably with a CFO who said, you know, we'll work out <laughs> costs and we'll, and we'll put a put a a piece on top of it. And I and I really think we haven't looked at how we could do this smarter and better. Um, I come to it having um, ironically started run and exited a software business that was all around um, time management, workflow and project management. So I saw the issue up close and personal many, many times. Um, when you got the, the fee proposals wrong, um, you know, it didn't kind of work for, for either side, really. Um, so that's kind of where I came to the, to the kind of party to look at solving the problem. It's a real world knowledge. Speaking about budgets, obviously, COVID has radically changed a lot of our budgets over the past year and probably for at least the foreseeable future. How can agencies think about budgets in a COVID era and how does your approach come into play there? That's a great question. Um, it's really quite um, clear and succinct for me. Um, typically agencies can do two things. They can sell um, their services by either you know, an FTE or a full-time equivalent. So you're buying um, their skills or their services um, over, over time. If you put those deliverables that you're planning to do on top of it, it's very, very easy and flexible to change one deliverable for another, um, managing in conjunction with that um, the value or the, or the price for those things. So ironically, if you're selling um, deliverables, it allows you to change very quickly from one thing to the, to the next. You're not locked in to, to just the to just the team or uh, or just the previous um, plan that you had, which is really what we saw a lot of in, in, in COVID. Um, the irony as well is scoping for marketing. You know, it might plan in, in January what you're intending to do for your campaigns and you know the first quarter, second quarter. Well. What we saw from COVID is things changed radically. So I might have gone from, from having a um, campaign that was all around events, which we know didn't happen, and I might now need to change that for kind of a whole, a whole new scheme of online. Um, that becomes very, very easy to do when you're starting to talk about things and not just the people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it hits home for us, you know, as a, as a company in advertising. We're an events company and had to sort of make the transition to online. And there's been some challenges there in terms of making that leap and really getting people to understand that, you know, what we're offering virtually is technically the same thing we're offering in a physical space. But the way you go about getting there is pretty different. But we'd like the end user to see it as the same thing. So that's kind of aligns with that, I think. Let's go back a little bit. I understand you were raised on a ranch. 
Yeah, I was born in, I, I, in the outback of New Zealand. Is that is that right? Yeah, it's it's. I don't know whether there's a, a such a thing called the outback of New Zealand, but I definitely was uh, in the high country. So yes, my dad's a, a second, third generation farmer. Three and a half thousand acres. It was a very remote. So yeah, it's an unusual journey from a from a farm girl in New Zealand to uh, running a. A, a, a large software company. <laughs> How does that work? That's a huge gap, you would think. <laughs> I think um, I think one of the things that when you're when you kind of grow up in a in a kind of a farming community, or even the, I don't know, I guess it's a New Zealand thing as well. We have pretty much a can-do attitude, um, and I think New Zealand is such a long way from from anywhere else, even evidenced as well by by how safe and secure they've been through COVID. Um, it just means that I think you have a little bit more gusto in the things that you you approach, and I don't think you're really told no. Um, <laughs> anything, I think anything's possible. So um, I never really thought that it wasn't achievable. So no, I arrived um, into the UK, you know, over twenty years ago, um, and it's been a it's been a great journey. I love learning, Richard. So, and I love challenging things. So. Is, is there any sort of correlation there between working on a farm and looking at this new model where you're looking at things versus time and materials? I think when you're farming, you're always probably trying to look at better, smarter ways to do things cost effectively. So, mm -hmm. so maybe. Um, I think it's probably, I've got an undergraduate degree in geology and zoology. So I'm actually a I, I consider myself to be, you know, more of a science-based person. So I think that's actually helped more with challenging the status quo um, and looking for different ways to do things. So when you study, um, you know, geology, there can be several ways that a, a river formed or a rock formation kind of got to where it was. So I think that challenging and, and how you do things and, and how you see processes have been there since an early age. I think lastly, tell me a little bit more about how scope works. So if, if I'm just coming into this fresh, I'm open to change, let's say, walk me through what I would see and how it would work for me. Okay, that's, a, that's another great question. So uh, the process at the moment, when um, agencies put together scopes of work, um, they're called scopes of work or fee proposals, they typically have an Excel spreadsheet and they call that a staff plan. And so they'll just, you know, they'll run down that staff plan and they'll put, you know, it's going to be 200 hours of, of Richard, it's going to be 100 hours of Tracy, and it's going to be, you know, 30 hours of, of John. Um, and then uh, that then goes from, you know, they're normally quite complex things, um, but they're all around roles, hours, and rates. Um, and at the end of that process, um, they then do something which is called a statement of work, which is the kind of the, the legalese or the kind of the, the buying note, um, and that's done in Word. So even from the from the kind of the scoping process, the tools, I mean, email, Word and Excel are great tools, but they're not designed for managing the pricing of a, of a global business or even a, a, a business that's got, you know, more than 30 people in our view. So scope really is around um, giving you a better tool to manage your, your pricing and, and scoping. It puts process in rigor. So um, Excel doesn't have, you know, you could have version 3.4.5, final, 3.4.5, final, final. Um, and there's kind of no fields locked. So, you know, if you've got a, 
if you've got a um, an error in your in your spreadsheet, you know that could you know knock thousands of thousands of dollars off off the kind of the end price. Um, and then as well with you know your Excel Word and and those sorts of things, you're recreating everything from scratch. And there's no kind of I call it MI management information or business information that you can kind of track things and manage them the way that you should. So Scope brings all of those things together around helping agencies um, and brands to scope their work and price their work better and manage that process end to end. How has reception to using Scope been for its users? Some people find it very easy and some people find it more challenging. Typically for agencies, they will really align with different clients who are wanting them to move to output or deliverable-based pricing. Um, And the first thing that everybody needs to do is work on that on their taxonomy, what they call the things that they produce at their agency. Um, some agencies are very good and they're already very clear about that. Others are not so clear. So it just, it really depends on a, on a case-by-case basis. But we, um, we work with a managed implementation plan with our, our clients. So we partner and support them and help them through that transition period. As I look at my desktop and the uh, the sheer number of like named spreadsheets with final and underscore final final and final final rev five and and all of that, I can see where this is probably the future for sure. Um, I thank you for your time, Tracy. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Richard. People said to me, uh, you know, ten years ago, um, you know, could you imagine uh, when we used to run our sales lists and various bits and pieces in in Excel. And now you wouldn't even dream of it. We all have, you know, we all have CRM systems and it's the same for scoping or pricing systems for businesses. So no, I was delighted to talk to you today. So thank you, Richard. AW360 is a production of Advertising Week, the world's premier content and events destination for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries. For more content like this, visit advertisingweek.com.